Hi guys and welcome back. It's Ashley and Ange is here with me too. I'm doing the welcome this time which is new but cool so thanks Ange. Um, yeah today we're gonna dive in on vibration a little bit. Okay. And I want to start when we talk about vibration we'll dive in on kind of what that looks like at the beginning but the first thing that pops up a girlfriend of mine said to me what's your power outfit? And when we think of vibration, things that bring us up, elevate us, make us feel so good, one of the things that shows up as women is the things that we put on our body. And so I want to know, I want to dig in, what is your power outfit? And maybe you have one, maybe you have two, maybe you have five. I think there's different spaces that we occupy, and so power outfits maybe look different depending on the space. So. Tell us a little bit what that looks like for you. It's interesting because originally when you said it, I was like, ooh, power. But uh, it's it's funny for me because I thought originally I'd say like, okay, power in the sense of like feeling really strong and feeling like badass and like I can conquer the world is what I initially thought. Then I went back to this place of like, but girl, in 2000 and something, maybe a year or two ago, I made it one of my goals to wear more dresses. Yeah, it was 2019, girl. I remember that was on your list. It was on my list of things to do for the year. And I'm like, power wasn't the word that I used, but I knew that when I would wear a dress or even a romper, actually, <laughs> a romper, it speaks to my soul. As soon as I have that on, I'm like, um, it's not powerful. But it's, I just feel fucking good. Right. I, and I don't know if it's a freedom thing, if it's a confidence thing. I don't even know if they necessarily look like flattering on my body. That is not <laughs> even a consideration. All I'm thinking is this makes me feel alive. This makes me just feel good. And I confident, excited. And I think maybe I spend a lot of time wearing workout gear and I love wearing workout gear. Workout gear makes me feel powerful, okay. strong, like I can kick ass and I wear it pretty much everywhere. So it's my <laughs> very like most of the time thing. Mm -hmm. But when I think about what elevates me to that next level, that taking it out of my everyday strength into a place of like, I feel really alive and confident. I think it's a dress or a romper. Okay, I love that. I love that. In blue or purple. Ah, yes. Well, obviously, those are your colors. Very much your skin tone and your eyes. Um, I can totally see that. I love that you touched on power as something that we, we often think when we think of power, we, I don't say there's a negative connotation, but in a sense, we think it's a bit overbearing. It's a bit much. It's a bit pushy. It's a bit over the top, right? But that power that you feel in that feminine is that that's that high vibration. And even when we talk about it, you don't want to call it power, but you feel free, you feel excited, you feel like it's in your soul. That is power. Power in who you are, that's inner power, that excited to be you and feel like you is power. And so I think the first, when my girlfriend mentioned this, we talked about like interview outfits and I was like, Oh, right. Like you think power, like you walk in, you've got your blazer, you've got your, you know, your cute shoes that, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to take this job or whatever. And so you feel really good. But I think when we talk about power outfits, the way that you touched on, you know, you feel good and kick-ass and awesome in your workout gear, but you also, there's this other side, there's this other place and it looks very, very, very different. And the power, the way that that shows up also can feel different but it's more about and this is where that vibration comes in being at that elevated state and knowing that simply by the clothes we put on our body is a representation of the way that we are feeling and so when we choose clothing to put on our body that makes us feel fit or confident or happy or feminine or so fucking awesome that we exude that beyond the clothes like the clothes are just a catalyst they don't really actually mean or do anything but they make us feel a certain way and so I love that you have kind of two very separate places two very separate outfits I guess you could say but make you feel 
like you. And I also feel like there's a piece that I've had to get over. I think when it comes to clothing, and maybe you share this too, babe, but as a mom, we're in a funny limbo in our 30s (laughs) because we're not like cut your hair off, mom cut, shop at stores that only mom shop at. Northern Getaway or like Northern Reflections. Well, that's just like my past. Raymond's Raymond's is the one that I think of initially. (laughs) And I don't even know what Raymond sells. But in my brain, I was like, I remember being young and seeing women at Raymond's being like, that is where mom shop, <laughs> which maybe, I don't even know. Maybe Reitman's is awesome. I have no idea. But so I think we're in this funny and what I had to get over was like, I'm going to pick up my child in my workout gear every day because there is no point in me putting on something different and then changing into my workout gear to go do my workout. to go into the dropout in that versus feeling as though as a mom, you wear this. And I think where I kind of want to go with that piece is I'd love to hear about your outfits, Ashley, but also like, was there a shift for you once you had kids of like, oh, but now I'm a mom. So I shouldn't show my belly off. Or, oh, I'm a mom. That dress is a little bit too short. Oh, too much cleavage and you're breastfeeding and you might've had a little bit of a booby leak, right? So I think there's also that mom piece in relation to outfits that we should touch on too, Ben. Absolutely. I completely agree. So in relation to that, um, so my family gets together every Sunday. That's something that we do. I mean, obviously COVID makes things a little more difficult, but my family, so my parents, my brothers, my sister-in-laws, all the nieces, all the nephews, my kids, we all get together on Sunday and we do supper. And so this was something that showed up for me because just recently I am loving crop tops. I love, I love them. But I remember it was last summer where I was like crop tops were my like goal, (laughs) right? So we were, I was very much in this crop top space. I wanted all the crop tops, but I remember being hesitant to wear crop tops because I'm a mom and these, this is my family. So unless I'm going to the beach, I probably shouldn't wear a crop top. I got over it, but it like it made me check myself being like, why can't you wear a crop top around your brothers? Why can you why are you being self-conscious about this because you're in your 30s? Yeah, I guess because in my 20s I've been like suck it. I don't care, but it's that mom piece of I very much went this is my power outfit. <gasps> Ooh, but what will my family think? Mm-hmm. Ooh, what will those other people who maybe aren't in the space or maybe are like on looking and going, what is she doing? And it's the same. So I'm finding I drop my son off and pick him up from school every day too. And I'm just being in that space of like, oh my God, we're getting into crop top weather. And I'm like, fuck it. I will wear the crop tops to school, but I know, I know that they're going to look at me and I'm okay with that now. But it was very much, that took me to a place of, Oh, am I trying to be a 19 year old? Right. And that's what we go through is very like, am I trying to be something I'm not? Or am I with settling into the mom clothes? Right. Am I settling into something because that's the expectation of me? Totally. And like, this is a funny, like side story I want to touch on, but like my husband's dad's, my father-in-law always buys me clothes it's just so cute. It's also this, like, it's, it's cute. It's cute. It's and cute. I know him, so, I, like, Cal is awesome. And, like, 50% of the time, he nails it. The other 50% <laughs> of the time with the turtlenecks. And, like, you know those cute sweaters, those blue sweaters? Those yes. really, like, fuzzy sweaters? They're so freaking cute. And because I, they're blue, they, they, they work. work. <laughs> they work, you're right. It's probably because they're blue. But I have all these other ones where, like, there's the odd time I pull it out. Jamie's like, don't worry about my dad. You just need to get rid of it. And I'm like, I know, but I feel bad. And, like, he's like, I know you don't feel good in the turtleneck up to here that doesn't, like, do anything for you. You would prefer to wear something that makes you feel really good. Yeah. So I think... Don't you ever think, too, like, when we're gifted clothing, we feel this obligation to... Oh, but taking it back would hurt their feelings. But yeah, I don't know. And I think we'll touch on this in a little bit. But I think the biggest thing when it comes to that is the investment. So we know somebody has spent money on this thing for us. Yes. 
And we do that with ourselves when it comes to things in our home, right? As soon as something that is no longer serving us. But if I spent $80 on a shirt, even though it's an XL and it doesn't fit me, but I spent 80 bucks on it, I'm going to leave it on that hanger. And it's like, why are you holding on to that shirt? It's because the invested money, which is value, right? We perceive that to be valuable. So all of a sudden, so you know that Cal has spent money on this thing and time and energy and thought to get you this thing. So there's a guilt to just releasing that, right? I think that value piece, you know that this is valuable to Kel or the time and energy that he spent on it is valuable. And so there's like, I can't just toss this away. Mm -hmm. And we do that with so many other items in our life as well. Totally. Totally. Do you feel like you've been working through that though? Working through letting go of things that you believe to be valuable? Yes. Oh my goodness. Heck yeah. And if we circle it right back to that power outfit thing, it's funny because I'm working through closets right now. I'm like, spring clean, get this shit gone. So my closet, and we've talked about this. I have had a weight loss transformation. So some of the things in my closet simply do not fit. Right. So I, there's no sense in holding on to that extra large shirt, even if I spend $80 on it, but it's, it doesn't fit me. Right. And so I'm very much in a purging, releasing. And so with this power outfit, when my girlfriend asked this, I'm like, Oh, I have like next to nothing in my closet. Like I have three jeans. I have like five white beater shirts that I like to wear a couple tops, but I don't have a ton. And it's, really funny right now because I look at my husband's side of the closet and his is like bursting. <laughs> like when in the history of our entire relationship have you had more clothes than me? But here we are, which is, it's ironic. It's funny. It's cute. Um, but he also has a really difficult time letting go of things because of that value, that money placed on something. And I think it's, I see it as a generational thing. I see our parents' generation or the first, like our grandparents' generation where they would have things just to have things. Mm-hmm. Like I remember as a child having precious moments, oh my God. cherished teddies, things that were collectibles. You would have an entire like cabinet full of knickknacks and mm-hmm. we do not live in that space. We, our lives do not live in that space. I have so many of those and like, my grandma's like, those are worth thousands of dollars. I'm like, to who? I love you, grandma. If we could Nobody find that person, is. I would like to sell it to them and have the thousands of dollars in my bank and these things not. And I have space. all the collectible Barbies from like the original right? holiday Barbies and the Wizard of Oz, all, all the figurines <laughs> and the precious moments. Like they probably did spend thousands of dollars. Right. I'm like, why? That's but, what I think. But they I, they're all at my dad's house, and I'm never moving them. So, <laughs> sorry, Dad. Go get your thousands of dollars that these are worth. But yeah. I think it's oh. the perceived value of something, yes. right? And they came from a place. If you go right back to the depression, yeah. when they had nothing, having a thing meant more than having the money connected to that thing. Whereas yes. for us, having that money and having that space means more than that little tiny thing that costs money and fills a void in space, right? So I would say I'm very much in that space, especially with spring, the like clearing out of stuff. Um, My husband is getting there. We are working on it, but he is very much, and I get it. He is a creative. So he's, it's, and a little bit odd in the sense that he's an engineer, very concrete, very like linear brain, but also very creative. So I see a broken chair. I'm like, throw that shit out. We don't need broken chairs. And he's like, yeah, but I could turn it into this and I could use it for that. And what I'm like, oh my God. So he sees so many more uses for this broken chair. Whereas I just see a broken chair. Yeah. Which is a difficult thing. Plus he doesn't like getting rid of things because of that place of oh I spent money on this and if I if I throw it away I'm throwing away money Mm -hmm. 
And you know what? We had to determine. I mean, my voice is getting very raspy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> but well, we've had to determine because my husband is very similar to Kim. And the collectibles of the amount of hats he has and the amount of sports jerseys he has. And I just, I, I it's literally, sentimental. it is so sentimental. But even the hats, I'm like, oh, this is a lot. Like, how can you own 200 hats? I don't <laughs> even know. Your head cannot wear 200 hats. It can't. Like, it literally. So what we've come to realize is like, okay, I'm not going to let him keep everything. There's going to be certain things that's like, okay, you want to have 200 hats. We'll go through them occasionally. You'll get rid of two. Every, right. sing, every single other oh. one means the world to me. I'm like, okay, it's cool. We'll do this again it's next cool. week. We will do this again. <laughs> but, like, we have to pick those, like, big things because I'm a minimalist through and through to the mm-hmm. point of, like, anytime something is missing in our home, my husband's like, you threw it out, didn't you? I'm like, no, it's in this spot. But I don't know the exact spot. There's, like, five spots it could be. So give me, like... 10 minutes, I'll check all five spots, and then if it's not there, I definitely throw it in. <laughs> yes. Whereas, like, if I don't feel it to be relevant, or I'm going to need it again in the future, it's like a sayonara. With clothing, it's like a sayonara if you don't like me up. The other thing I do a lot with clothing, which is a really good tip, guys, is so you put all of your hangers forward, Yes. right? And so once you've worn it, you hang it back up or put it back where it's going to be, in a different way. So you would turn the hanger the other way. And then after like three months, you reevaluate, okay, what did I wear? What did I not wear? Even if you thought you were going to wear that thing. Yes. You didn't. Yeah. Screw it. I literally am like, okay, goodbye. I will like, it's, it sucks in the moment, but it's just taking up space. But it actually feels good. Two seconds after, two seconds after that you put it in the like to go pile. It's like, oh, even if you were hemming and hawing, you feel so much better. Totally. And even I feel that way and this sounds bad, but a little bit, maybe I shouldn't feel guilty about it, but we have all this stuff of Sully's, which is my youngest son. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, People in your life are going to have another baby. Save it to give it to them. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) they're not going to want it. Or maybe they do want it, but that's not to take up that space for somebody to get pregnant and then have the baby. I just feel like that doesn't serve me. And it's not yours to carry. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that just, that just happened. So we have been cleaning at our basement, spring clean, rah, Ashley being in her, like, we need to clean out the space. And I kid you not, I like, I kid you not, I bet we had 20 to 25 bags of children's clothing and we are done. So it was time to let those go. Right. And thankfully my sister-in-law and also then my brother, they're expecting handy. Great. But I do hold on to things for years and years and years for that baby that maybe baby that someone else is having. I mean, and styles for the baby. I, and yeah. It's literally going to be Theo styles. And that was five years ago. And now. we see that. They're like wide leg pants. You put those on. You're like, this is hilarious. Which Why? is fine. But like when you donate that to somebody. Yes. Is there a piece of that that's like, you're thinking you're doing an amazing thing. They open it up and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a piece of it that could be. Could be cool, but I don't think we're living in that generation no. where like saving and passing along really gets many people further ahead. Yes, it's a nice gesture, but I think so often like when I'm deciding, should we just donate this? I'm like, honestly, just donating is probably going to help more people versus me keeping this. And that is so when you mentioned a tip, that was what came into my head. I very much struggled. I remember I was in university and I was going through my closet being like, I don't wear half this stuff. And I would go through and I'm like, oh, and I would get sentimental. And I'd be like, why don't I wear this? I should wear it. I'd put it on. I'm like, I like this. And I'd put it on the keep pile. There'd be like three things on the get rid of pile. I'm like, why did I even go through this closet? Right? I went in here with the intention of getting rid of things because I know I'm not wearing at least 50%, probably more of this. And then there's three things on the to-go pile. And so I switched my mindset. I had a Roxy sweatshirt. That's how old I am now. Like when I think of university, Roxy was like, oh, right in high school. And so I had this Roxy sweatshirt, two of them actually. And I was like, oh, these were such a big deal to me. 
And then I went, oh my God, I could drop these off literally today at the women's shelter or the girls shelter. I think it was called Roof at the time in Waterloo. And somebody will wear this because it'll mean something to them. It will keep them warm and it will actually probably mean something. Whereas for me, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll wear that. Probably I won't. Maybe I will. And so it switched my mindset to giving it to somebody who will make such good use of this. This will be somebody's favorite shirt. You're like back of the closet. Oh, I should wear that. Maybe I'll wear that. Oh, I like that, but I'll never wear it shirt into somebody's like twice a week shirt that they wash and they put on. Right. Yeah. And so my aunt, I love her dearly. She has somebody in her life who she works with the homeless in Kishar Waterloo. And so I go through my closet and I, I get rid of more than probably I should, but I'm like, you know what? This will be an interview shirt for somebody, or this will be something that makes somebody feel so good. Or I can release so much just knowing that somebody will make better use of it than I will. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. And so shifting your mindset to like, oh, well, what will I do with this? You're giving it, give it to somebody who will love it mm-hmm. and find it and wear it. And right. It won't just be that like, piece in the back of their closet that's just filling up space Mm -hmm. and that's where I see my closet right now and it's mostly sort of empty but I'm like you know what I will buy things that I love Mm -hmm. and I will fill that space slowly but I'm going to fill that space with things that I look at my closet and I'm not like oh uh, yeah I could wear that or uh, I should wear that or you know it will be I love this and I love this and I love this versus it being just kind of full for Mm -hmm. no actual reason. Totally. Which kind of syncs up with toys in terms of like spring cleaning toys or like going through toys. Yeah. So it's funny because I told you that Cam is like a little bit of a hoarder and doesn't like to let go of things, but because the toys are not his, he is on a rampage to throw out toys. He throws them out in secret. He like hides them. He puts them in the dump pile. And I'm like, I'm going to go into the closet and like, these don't bring you joy. And it's always the things that he's tripping over. I'm going to take that to the dump. I'm like, it's out here and you're tripping over it because a child was playing with it. That's a toy that gets played with. Good Go sign. in. Good sign. Pick something in the corner. Right. But he has no problem releasing things that aren't connected to like his own sentiment. Right. Which is, and Felix, my oldest, very sentimental in that same, there was once a ball that was like, it had a hole in it. It was flat. Oh, and he also had a squeezy one. Yeah. And couldn't, like, couldn't release it. Doesn't matter that it's broken. Doesn't matter that it can never get fixed. It cannot go in the dump pile. I'm like, dude, you gotta let that go. But I know where he gets it from. It's totally his dad. And I, I resonate with that. I get that. I think it's beautiful that there is sentiment connected to things that we find, you know, joy in those things. But I also, I very much live on the page similar to yours where it's like, get it fucking gone and if I need it I will go buy it totally totally and you like I want to circle back to this toy thing so for what works for our family and I find this really great because Theo's five now and he gets it so it's for him it's like if I give this toy away I'm giving it to somebody else and for him that really resonates Mm -hmm. and so when we sort toys and we probably do it every like three months Poor Sully, he's the young baby. He was just going with the flow. <laughs> you get he, what you get. Yeah, get what you get. But he's very, he'll be fine. Uh, yeah. But like Theo's like, oh yeah, I'm done with that. Should we save it for Sully? Nah, Sully's not into that. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's fine. We have a lot of toys. It's good. And so what we really found is with that, if he knows that it's going somewhere to somebody else, he's good to go to release. I had my run. I'm good to pass it out. But we cycle toys a lot a, because I think it excites the child. Like, mm-hmm. we have our toy room downstairs, but we hang out a lot upstairs. So I'm, like, often cycling them from downstairs to upstairs. And even this week, we moved up. Um, it was, like, a Hot Wheels uh, race car, Mario Kart okay, cool yeah. thing. Which, Sully's at the age of tear you apart. Right. Not ideal. <laughs> this is a not ideal situation. And then Theo's at the stage of, like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm just going to keep on racing the cars. Yeah. Which, so I'm like watching this transpire. I'm like, this is a good rotation. They're going to be so excited. Sully plops his butt 
right in the middle <laughs> of the entire thing. I'm like, okay, he's going to rip it. He's going to break it apart. Theodore's about to have a meltdown. And I watch it transpire. And I'm like, no. He just sat himself in the middle. Theo was a little bit nervous thinking Sully was going to wreck it. But he just watched the car go around and around. But he couldn't watch it from the outside. He needed to have his butt right in the middle. I gotta be, in the I gotta be inside of this thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like that piece has been really helpful in terms of the toys of like, okay, it's good. I know. I'm sure things have been gifted. I'm sure that things came out of our pocket. But they have so many toys that I'm like, less toys is actually so much better. Well, and they can focus. Like you think about when, so I noticed this when I would clean the toy room, all of a sudden the toy room would be clean. Things would be organized. They'd play in there. And then it would become, you know, two or three weeks later, it becomes this enormous mess. Like nothing, no puzzle piece is ever connected to where the puzzle actually even is. If we can find it, there's shit everywhere and nobody wants to play in there. It's a disaster. Right. And I think about that in our own lives where if we are surrounded by too much, we can't focus on that one thing. And so I see that with the kids. We have started and we're in the like beginning middle stages of cycling toys. And our difficulty is our kids also play in our basement. And so they see those toys. They want those toys. Those toys come down and they want to play with them. So we're kind of sorting through what that looks like but we bring up certain toys that are in the toy room and that's and I see it they focus they want to be in there there's joy in that space whereas when it was just chaos where it was everything all the time it's just everywhere there's no actual joy or cohesiveness that actually shows up for them and I'm like that's I also know that that's how I function in my own life I need order in my space. I know that that makes me, and I am a little bit, I am OCD, but I also know that my space, my environment impacts the way that I can go about my day. And I see that with children where if they're in this chaotic space, they don't feel calm and quiet and excited to be in that kind of moment. They're just in chaos too. Totally. Well, think about their school. When you show up to school as a child, are toys all over the place and like it has everything in disarray or does everything have a spot and that is most of their day if we are to be honest most of their day is super organized in the way that a school would look yeah if they come home and there's not that same level of order I do think it's confusing for a child I think if they don't have a place as soon as they know my backpack always goes there my boots always go there. That toy always goes there. My toothbrush always goes there. As soon as they know that, that help actually helps them. Oh my goodness. Versus the like, For sure. I don't know where it goes because on Tuesdays it seems to go there, but then on Thursdays it seems to go there and the mommy sometimes puts it there. That's very confusing for a child who's like going through all of that. So I, I totally agree. I think their inside world and our inside world, even as adults, it's the same. And when things don't have a set place, it creates anxiety. Totally. Because if you put your toothbrush here, but it's not there the next time, how will I brush my teeth? How will this happen the next time? And that's just a small example, right? But that extrapolates to the big things, right? If I don't know every day that I'm getting picked up by so-and-so, right? Like that translates into anxiety. Totally. A not knowingness and a fear of what could or maybe won't be. So as soon as we put those things in place, as soon as it's known, then I can just do it. And it's yep. easy. I know what I must do. And when I, so when I was in teacher's college, I remember there was one prof, bless her heart. She would not tell us the expectations of the assignment. She was just like, here's what you need. Here's, here's the assignment. And we're like, okay, but like, how much is it worth? She's like, don't worry about it. But, like, what do we have to do? And she was like, don't worry about it. And we're like, no, like, like, tell us how to succeed. And yes. she's like, nope. And she was teaching us how to, like, be in that space of unpredictability. And yes. we could not do it. I mean, it's a, it's a class full of teachers. Holy shit. Tell us what we must do. Right? Like, and it was, there was fights. There was, like, banter there was discussions there were broken relationships because she did not put any expectation on us and that was the lesson 
right? Is to create structure, create expectations because our children and us as adults need to know what the day looks like. We need to know where our things belong. We need to know what our life is. And if we just are bouncing from place to place, there's no solidity. There's no like, I am good. There's no grounding in that. As soon as you know where your toothbrush goes, you can put it there. If you don't know where your toothbrush goes, where do you put it? Yeah. I think it's, and it's, it's funny because there's all these simple moments as parents that I think that exactly same thing. I'm like, oh, it's so interesting. We have this invitation as their parents every single day to create these life changing structures and values and all of the things for them that make them be like, okay, this works. This feels good. This is the way that I'm set up for success. Mm -hmm. And I think that consistency is one of the key qualities that both of us share in terms of values. But I think our kids also crave that. They crave that piece of us that's like, yeah, okay, mom, every three months we're going through the toys. I know. It's a sure thing. It's always that, yeah. And they just, yeah, they just know. They look forward to it. And I don't know. I feel like that has been awesome as a parent, but also I think probably awesome from a receiving end from their side of things too. For sure. I think there's two points there that I want to pull on. Number one, that you said an invitation. As their parents, we have this invitation. And I think that's a really beautiful way of capturing it, that we are invited to do this. We don't have to, but in every moment we are invited to show up. So the way that you worded that, I'm just like, wow, that really wraps around my soul. So thank you. Um, There was another piece there that when we show up, that structure piece, we think, oh, are we going to create rigid kids who require structure? But I just, the way you were wording that, what showed up for me was it's from that structure. It's from that place of security that allows our kids to be flexible. If things are always a certain way, but this one time, it's a little different. All of a sudden it's like, okay, I can bend with that. I can move with that. We're coming back to this place. And I think that rigid and consistent are totally different. And I think that's, I love both of the pieces that you're pulling on there, Ash. And I also love the piece about like invitation is such a key word for sure. But I also think this rigid versus consistent. I think consistency for me ties into so many of the other podcasts where we're talking about perfection is not the goal with our kids. We are going to mess up. They are going to mess up. And I think it's just honoring the space of like, we create the structure, but we also recognize that in the guidance, we're just teaching them consistency, right? And I think of all the values, teaching our children to do that is such a, I think it's such a key piece to people that they're going to become. It's a powerful tool, right? That they get to just have versus have to find or create later. Mm-hmm. Like we did. Right? <laughs> and so I think, I think that's maybe the misconception is from that consistency and routine is rigid when it's not. It totally is. And I feel like right? that's a piece of like, Even with dieting, it's like, as soon as I'm doing this, I'm doing it all the way. Yes. And as soon as my kids are going to bed at eight o'clock, they're always, always, always going to bed at eight o'clock and we will never miss a nap time. And it's like, yeah, but things are fluid. You still got to be flexible. Totally. And I mean, like with consistency, it's like, yes, each day looks different, but I think it's also the honoring from our child's perspective. When it comes to the bending, the bending is based on circumstance. 100%. Based on the circumstance of the day, I recognize that we've had to bend this thing. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest piece. But the general structure is, like, generally the same. Right. Um, Yeah. And I I also feel like as, I don't know, every time we talk about the kids, I know we come back a lot to, like, the parenting piece, but we're just right in that. Mm -hmm. I've found one really cool little thing I've been doing And I have no idea from a psychology perspective why this works, but it seems to really work with my five-year-old. So the tip Psychology is my background. Hit me. Tell me what this is. And it might not even be psychology. It was just a tip I learned. (laughs) 
But for example, what I've learned is when, so I, you pick him up from school. Uh-huh. I ask him, so pick him up. How was your day? We always do thumbs up, thumbs down, or like so-so. Mm-hmm. Some highs, some lows, right? So most of the days, it's double thumbs up. So that's good. Double thumbs up. Okay. How was your day? What'd you get up to? Okay. I played with Dylan. Instead of being like, oh, what did you and Dylan do? The question is, oh, you played with Dylan today? And like, it's almost like repeating exactly what they have just said with excitement versus asking him what it is that they did. Because he might not want to tell you. He might not want to be like, oh, we did this thing because it might have been a super secret task that I can't tell my mom. But now she's just asked me and then immediately he's on the defense. So I'm like, oh, you played with Dylan today? And then his response will be like, oh, yeah, I did play with him. And then sometimes he would dive into what they do. But I'm not diving into you need to tell me exactly what you did, which I'm his mom. (laughs) Maybe my mom wants to know if we did good things, bad things. Did we make good choices? Maybe he doesn't remember. Maybe right. he doesn't remember. That's something. Could that's, be anything, right? But I mean, like, as soon as we go, well, what did you guys do? It's like, does she really want to know? Does she not want to know? So there's this piece of that I was learning from a, like, a young child's perspective that, like, from them, as soon as you go, what did you guys do? That isn't a, like, very casual, how are you today to a five-year-old. What I was learning from a psychology perspective was, like, the five-year-old's brain's not, like, initially like oh telling her is like a very easy response mm-hmm. there is a lot of thought patterns that are going through his brain when I'm asking what you guys do mm-hmm. okay so as soon as I did this like oh you play with Dylan today even though he plays with Dylan every freaking day yeah. I know that yeah. as soon as I'm like surprised it invites him to then respond in a way that makes sense to him for sure okay and the, the difference is the way that you're responding is to his emotion and not through information Right. So you're, so if I say to you, if you show up here and you're like, Oh my God, girl, I'm X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, girl, you are X, Y, and Z. And you're like, all of a sudden I've responded with emotion. So I tune into the emotion that you are also experiencing, which like you said, opens up the door for you to share. If I just say, Oh my gosh. So does that mean this, 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 right? Like you think of when somebody you and I are not in this space, but if somebody came to you and said, oh my God, girl, I'm having a baby. And you're like, you're having a baby. And they're like, oh my God, I can't wait. Holy shit. Oh my God. Right. You've responded with, oh my God, you're having a baby, which is exactly what they've said, but you've done it with emotion versus going, is it a boy? Is it a girl? What are you going to name it? When do you do? Right. You're eliciting emotion and an emotional response that they get to choose versus an information-based response that you have chosen. Yes, and then they're like, oh, I, it's, it's 30 fucking questions right now. And, and it's like, like, okay. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And, 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 it, and it cuts it off. You've only asked these things, whereas as soon as you just say it, they are open to share everything that you wouldn't have normally asked. Like, we weren't expecting this. Holy shit, we're having a baby. You wouldn't ask, like, is this a surprise? Totally. And I mean, like, it's so interesting because when I think about it, I'm like, it's kind of, I mean, obviously it transcends into adult relationships too, but that simple shift, I'm like, that, that goes about that conversation with zero judgment, zero expectation. And my response to him just allows him to like freewheel, whatever you want to tell me, whatever you don't want to tell me, but it's all literally like our entire interaction is me repeating exactly (laughs) what he has just said to me in response back, but he's not like, I just said that. He's just literally like, and then keeps, yeah, he keeps going on this yeah, tangent because he just keeps on going. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a simple, easy way to not go into like, oh, you know, like we almost go, I think as, I don't know, I feel like it's so easy. That was such a very easy, simple thing that I'm like, I would have never thought, because that was my question every day. Oh, how was your day? What'd you get up to? What'd you guys play? I was always recess, right? Like you're always asking questions and I was like, oh my God. So I made that super simple shift. I'm asking very little questions and he is just a blabbering and a blabbering and a blabbering. I'm like, and then you did that? He's like, yeah, mom, we did that. I'm like, oh my God. That's and so it's 
I don't know. I feel like that has been a big shift over the past like week or with maybe two weeks. Well, but. thank you for sharing that because I feel like many of us as moms that, and I remember being a kid in that space. What'd you do today? Nothing. Like, well, you did something. You were gone for six hours. Surely to goodness you did something, right? But it's that like, what do I say to my kid? How does that, sh- what are they going to say? They're going to say nothing or, right? And I had one mom say to me, at one point, Coralie, right after she was born, she was in the classroom, and a mom messaged me and said, like, thank you so much for bringing Coralie into the classroom. It was through, like, a Roots of Empathy thing, um, which is a program to bring babies into the classroom. Anyways, she's like, for the first time, my daughter is telling me about what she's doing at school, right? So I think there's obviously things happening, and there's so much happening that kids don't even necessarily know what to even say when they get in the car, or when they get off the bus, or when they show up, and right? So it's either, I have found, and like Felix has nothing to say, or like little tidbits here and there, or the meltdowns come out at bedtime. It's like, holy crap, like you're telling me all about your day, and you need to go to sleep, and you're too emotional, and you're too tired to just be in a space where it's coming out in a way that is an emotionally wildly charged, right? And so thank you for sharing that because I am going to use that because I think so many of us struggle with how do I interact with my child to know what they're doing, especially with COVID. I'm, I cannot step foot inside the school. I cannot see his teachers and I'm just, I feel very disconnected. And then he gets outside of the school and I'm like, okay, I have no idea what you've done inside that school building and you can't tell me and we have this whole drive to ourselves, but really there's nothing being talked about. And I feel like there's this really flat spot. So I'm going to use that. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited, but it makes so much sense because I, like I said, I do it with adults. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought to do it with my children. And now here we are in the reverse and you're telling me, oh, duh. <laughs> and I mean, it's funny because I think as soon as I heard it, I was like, Oh, I, cause my son's kind of a little bit of a smart butt, but just fine. But he, I was like, Oh, immediately he's going to be like, mom, you just repeated the exact words I that just I said. said. I that. just said that. And so that's what I, that's what immediately I thought. I was like, he's going to be like, you just said that. But that is not at all. He's excited to see me. And he's just, yeah, he's just rambling, 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 oh. rambling. Which is too funny. Okay, we're doing. We are. I can't wait for Monday. (laughs) We're gonna do it. Awesome girl. Awesome girl. So we talked a little bit about spring cleaning and what we're doing and kind of like that. Yeah, that piece. Is there anything in terms of key action items that if somebody's listening to this, if they were to take one action with the spring cleaning or even which like minimalizing or getting rid of things? Mm. What's the first starting guide? They're looking at their house. They're like, oh, I really need to get rid of crap. Where would you say is the best place for them to start? I would say start in the place you occupy the most. Okay. So for me, kitchen, um, living yeah. room, if that's you. Yeah. For me, it's kitchen, living room, main bathroom. I can close all the other doors. And if you've been on the other side of any of those doors, you're like, oh, girl, sometimes it's a hot mess. And you have seen that. I remember Angela over once. <laughs> I love it that, was, It was one weekend, and her and my girlfriend, Sharina, they were over. And they're like, girl, your house is always so Perfect. nice. It's always so clean. It always smells so good. And they're like, can we borrow your hair straightener? I'm like, yeah, it's in under my sink. And they walk in, they're like, thank God. <laughs> I'm like, what? They're like, you are a mess behind this closed door. Thank God. Like, like we were so happy that your that your that your bathroom and your bedroom were not perfect. Because I was like, how the fuck with three children do you maintain a perfect house in absolutely every single room and you look beautiful from head to toe? Because I just don't understand. I, mean, I don't even know how how you have that amount of hours in the day. So to see you have a little bit of mess was really, really gratifying for me. Which is, I remember coming out being like, maybe that was a little much. It was a little bit like judgy on her mess. No, but not even I loved mess, it. But I was like, oh, but I, I knew sending you guys into my master bedroom. You knew not, what it was going to be. Oh, I knew exactly what you were walking into, and I knew it was safe. And I, the like response was like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Thank you're you. seeing it. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, right? And so I think for me, but I have those, I have three rooms. For me, it is my kitchen, my living room, and my bathroom. Everything else is bonus. I would love to have the boys' room clean. 
well, in Coralie, I would love to have the toy room tidy. I would love to have my room always in a perfect state, but I can't, I know that's not manageable for me. So I pick my sanctuary and that is the place I occupy the most. So I, I don't like clutter. I am a counters person. Some people are floors people. Some people are counters people. Some people are, I don't know, everything. Dust people. <laughs> I don't know. They're literally, right? Some people are everything. Yeah. Literally everything but you are everything. not a floors person. Yeah. You do not own a broom. We got a broom. <laughs> she got a broom. She's becoming we a got, We got a broom because my husband brought, bought a broom. And you know, it's so funny. So I'm not a brooms person. Absolutely not. <laughs> broom not a all the way. Broom all the way. But my husband bought it. And there was, ta- there was a time, I don't even know. Maybe you were coming over. I don't know who was coming over. Somebody was coming over and he was like, Girl, this is a time when you do not get the broom out. You get the broom out. I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You need to get every crevice of this cor- of these corners." I'm like, "It definitely wasn't me." Yeah, maybe not you, but it was somebody that was coming over that I needed to get the broom. It's a broom job. Oh, have you got the broom out? I'm like, "Oh, you're right." Really, he could have got the broom out, but he knows the funny part about our cleaning. But yeah, regimen. <laughs> yeah, the cleaning regimen is that I like, I enjoy cleaning because it's a break from my children. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. you're gonna watch the children downstairs. This is really awesome. Totally. So I'm like, yeah, we have these moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll sweep, I'll do the dishes, I'll do that thing because you're gonna watch children. Yeah, love my kids. But there's a piece of it that's like, if you've had them for an extended period of time, you're for excited. sure. There's a pause of just like, I can do this really unpleasant task. <laughs> If it means I can do it alone, totally. and all of a sudden it becomes super pleasant. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. But yeah, it's funny. So what about so we you? Have, we do have a room. Yeah. So what about okay? But for you, so for me, it's very much if you're beginning and you're like, oh, my house is a disaster, and I just want it clean and whatever. Mine is very much choose those spaces that you are in the most, and then work outwards. So if you take like the center core. And then you think of like that ripple effect. The next ripple out for me would be my bedroom, mm-hmm. my boy's bedroom and Coralie's bedroom. After that is the toy room maybe. And that's a big fucking ripple. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's funny because uh, I feel like I work the exact opposite, which uh, I think is such a beautiful. Okay. So for me, those rooms, I guess it would depend. Like for me, I'm thinking spring cleaning and not like tidying. Mm-hmm. I think those rooms are very like natural truly tidy from enforcement but I think when I think about like the rooms I need to go through like the, mm. the closets I need to okay. go through like for example the boys I was like okay you need your shorts out you need all the switch and wardrobe in turn I'm putting all of the other stuff that needs to be donated in that so I think for that room and in any of our storage areas where that's those areas that aren't necessarily influence those are my spring cleaning areas and honestly girl if I think about your basement it's the same thing it's like that's not necessarily the fact that there's a lot of crap there wouldn't bother your day-to-day but for spring cleaning it was kind of like we gotta get rid of you because once a year or twice a year we are gonna ready to do it so I think for a lot of people if you're gonna start with the spring cleaning piece or like minimalizing your life I think it's getting rid of those areas that are going to be very easy to get rid of the areas mm-hmm. that you're like oh yeah. you're in storage you're going through like for me I'm like we're we have a spot underneath our stairs and it is like my tap shoes from when I'm in my childhood mm-hmm. I made a weird like a shirt when I was backpacking through Europe <laughs> not even a shirt it's like a piece of cloth from all the different clothing that I wore for like three months of my life I sewed it all together and I was like <laughs> it's like a sparkly brown bra a tie-dye piece of shorts where I'm like Okay, I'm not ready to let go of you because this is funny and I have to show my best friend before I get rid of this. Yes. But, like, that's the area where I'm like, okay, it's all Sully's really, like, clothes we need to donate. So it's more so the areas for me from a spring cleaning standpoint of, like, we're not really interacting with a lot of this stuff on a regular basis. Okay. This isn't in my world normally. What is, like memorable that I want to keep and what is kind of like that thing that you're either going to sell on Facebook marketplace or do the donation. And so that was the first place that we've kind of targeted. And then we targeted our mechanical room, which had like the bikes, all the stuff that you would bring out for spring that we Mm -hmm. didn't want in our garage. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll bring you up and get all of that, uh, 
that out. So that's what we've been up to. Right. I love it. So I, I love both of our takes. And I would say if I were to dive in just for spring cleaning, not just like keeping my house tidy, picking like this is my man- manageable sanctuary area. What I would do is I would do a quick tidy of that so that I felt good. Yes. And then I would pick usually my like go-to area. The starting point is our master bathroom under the sink. It's small. It's manageable. The lotion. And it's a fucking disaster. <laughs> but I can chuck shit out of there and I don't care. It's a really good starting yes. point. I'm not starting in my closet. Because, holy shit, it's just, it feels big. It feels daunting to be getting rid of clothes. My husband's shit's in there and there's so much, like we talked about, right? So it's just like, ugh. But starting with something small and manageable, you've already got a win under your belt. As soon as I clean under the bathroom sink, I'm like, whew, all right, into the boys' bathroom. And it's way bigger. There's like triple the amount of space. There's triple the amount of stuff. But I feel already motivated I've already got that like I did it I'm good let's roll one's down let's go to the next versus starting with that big project that you feel I'm gonna get interrupted I don't have time for this I just you already psych yourself out before you begin and so starting with that small win and then the next one feels like those oh should I keep it shouldn't I keep it I don't know you're like nope it's gotta go gotta go you've already got that like purging out of your system and you're on do you find when you're purging the more you purge the more you purge like you get on a roll and it's like we got even stuff that you're like yeah no 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 (laughs) i was gonna say the other thing i do that i've realized in my purging with the bathrooms which is a good tip Mm mm-hmm if you don't want to throw it out, combine all your fucking lotions, combine all your fucking shampoos, put them all in the same fucking thing. Who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, literally, your kids don't care. No. Your legs don't care. <laughs> your sh- like, literally anything that, if you're not going to get rid of it, and you're like, I really feel attached to it, put it all in one bottle. Yeah. And then use it, put it on the counter, or wherever it needs to be used. Most of the time, it's going to be like, sayonara. I haven't used you. You're from Christmases like three years ago and we're not going to use you. And the other thing I think when it comes to purging of those things that if you're like, Oh, I really, Oh yeah, I really should get on the train. Like say you see a sugar scrub on in your, um, in your bathroom. You're like, Oh, I really should get on that sugar scrub train. I should sugar scrub before every time I shave, that is going to be what I do. As soon as you don't do that once, you make a promise with yourself. If I don't, the next time that I shave, do that. That sugar scrub needs to go because you're not actually going to take action on this dumb bottle that you have, right? So you need to kind of make that little bit of a deal. If you think you're going to use it, maybe that doesn't sit well with you. No, but I have something in my shower that is an exfoliating thing that I'm like, oh, I love it. It was a gift. And I'm like, oh, I should use that. I should use it. I don't use it, but I should. And I right. And so, so but I'm you make that. a deal. If you I don't use it the next time that you are going to need to use it, uh-huh. then you are saying sayonara to you because I'm gonna do it. And I mean, yeah, there's so many things where I'm like, the thought of this is so good. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but there's like those things that scrub the dead skin off your the bottom yeah, of your yeah. feet. Yeah. That is a really good idea, but I know myself, <laughs> that's a really good idea, but I'm never going to do it. I'm going to go to the spa and I'm going to get them to figure out my dead skin situation. <laughs> and that is going to be good to go. So the fact yeah. that I got that as a gift for Christmas three years ago, I got to say goodbye to it. And I think with the purging or the goodbye to those things, I think it's just recognizing like, Are you going to use it or is it going to take up space? Exactly. And the taking up space, and I think this is really important, is our space is valuable. Oh the space within us, yes. being clear, is valuable. The space within our home, being clear, is valuable. And so creating that space and going through shit to make space is valuable so that we can live with clarity. We can live with calm and not chaos. What do you think it? It says if your house is messy or if you have a lot of those pieces that aren't organized, Ashley. Oh, so it's funny because I've heard that your house is a metaphor for yourself and the way, like the way that you are internally. 
And I've been sitting with that and I'm, I go back and forth and I wonder and I think, oh my goodness, I think about our house and I'm very neurotic almost, you know, a little bit neurotic about the space that I'm in, which is bizarre because I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and one-year-old. So to be neurotic about things being tidy is kind of insane because mess is part of that deal, right? Um, But I also think about the spaces that aren't tidy. That are very, like, I think of certain closets. I think about our garage. I'm like, oh, my God. And so I wonder, I'm like, oh, is that, is that also me? And yes, of course it is. But I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sold. But I do think that our space is partially a representation of the way that we show up in the world. And so... For me, I like things polished. I like things nice. I like things neat. But really, and this is what part of this podcast is, is I'm showing you guys what is behind the doors. And I have never done that before. Isn't it cool? I do it with my clients. I show up very authentically. They get the real deal, the whole shebang. Um, But as far as social media goes, or as far as just showing off who I am. I like the the kitchen, the living room and the bathroom situation where I show you what's neat and tidy. And then when you and Sharina went into my bedroom and we're like, oh, thank God, this girl is disgusting, just like us, right? And so that's what part of this, most of this podcast is about is really just unraveling the ugly bits, the pretty bits, the funny bits and all all of the bits. And so, yeah, I, it's really exposing because I don't, I would say you show up in that space very easily. You're kind of like, Hey, this is me. This is a, which is funny because I I didn't, I didn't always, but uh, I, I entered this, I entered this, the, uh, I don't know how old Theo was, but I was like, Oh shit, girl! Your house is messy. <laughs> Everybody need to see that your house is messy, and that was fine at the time. But I needed to do that because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't be the perfect mom, and I really recognized that trying to do that was going to kill me. Like, and so I know you say that you did that very easily, but you're coming new to the space, mm-hmm. and I'm—I don't know if I struggle. I don't—I feel like I feel pretty comfortable with it now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I also think there is so much therapeutic release. Like, I know people that are listening to this right now are going to be like, I get so much from you guys. But there's so much therapeutic release in just talking about it versus keeping it so bottled for me that I find, yes, there's that, like, fear to expose. But there's also that peace in, like, I no longer have to have this dark hidden secret within myself. And I feel like that has been the best part about even developing a social media audience. I was like, okay, so I can tell you guys everything that I've been thinking for a long time. I haven't told anybody. (laughs) Right. Right. So I don't know. So I want to ask you, Ange. So Angela and Jamie and Theodore and Sully have just recently moved into your place in Listowel. Yes. Um, was it, is it a year? When? when May. May, May is it? Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. So prior to this, you very much, I remember being in your house in so messy the time. It was like, I can say this because I love her and she knows it comes from an absolute place of love. So messy all the time. Totally. And one of the key standing out points was, I remember we were there as like a wedding party. Maybe. And it was, it was a disaster. We were making signs and whatever. Totally cool. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I love that she is totally okay like this. Because I was thinking, oh my God, if I had this many people in my house, I would have spent the last three days cleaning my house, stressing, being in like this ridiculous state of stress, only for it to get messy again, because there's, you know, 12 other people now in this space occupying it and creating a disaster, right? And so I remember that being like, oh my gosh, and now you're in a new space and you're the way that you live in that space is very, very different. Totally. So can you share with us what that looks like, why that transformation happened, and why you're living a different life in a different space? Maybe yeah, it's not, I know. It's I not think, the right way to word it. but that's, I know exactly what you mean, but honestly, it's... Do I have a reason why? No. 
One of the key pieces, though, I think, if I look back on that space, to me, that space never felt like forever. And I also think so much of that space, as it was happening, was so transitional for us. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had had one baby, we got engaged there, but so many other big shifts happened with me, I think, internally, like... Yes, I did my show and went pro, but I think so often as that was happening, the house was never on the forefront of a priority growing up. The house was never really a forefront. And so as I had the, we lived at our in-laws for a year, or a year and there was a couple interesting parts. He is very like clean I would wash dishes through the dishwasher like he, like Jamie's dad Jamie's dad yeah. Okay. yeah so I would wash dishes in the dishwasher he would rewash them by hand and I was like oh yeah you're super clean okay okay and I think a little bit of those tendencies rubbed off in the way that he had his precision for clean while we were there but then when we moved into our new house I think there was also a pride associated with like I love our house mm -hmm. whereas the other house it was like ah you're okay but there's a lot of pieces that kind of felt a little broken or like I know we're not staying here forever mm -hmm. is the one key factor the other key factor I think in terms of like my obsession with it I guess is I don't think maybe it would have impacted me before but I never had the realization that it would impact me before because I always was like I felt fine either way, right? Mm -hmm. If it was tidy, I felt fine. If it was not tidy. Whereas now I realize how much it impacts me if it's not tidy, where it's like, okay, if we just tidy everything at the end of the day, I feel really good. Whereas before, whether it was tidy or not tidy wouldn't have influenced. It literally wouldn't have made a difference. Right. Whereas now it is a contrast for me, for sure. So and I remember you saying, I think I function better when it's a disaster. Yes. Because there's and no expectation to keep it clean. Totally. And I mean, like, obviously it is more work with what we do right now. I totally recognize that. But there's a piece of it that I actually think is like a caring for the place in which we live that I didn't have before, if that sure. makes sense. For sure. So it's kind of like tending to your garden or like worrying about your temple or however you want to. You're invested. I I'm, inv I'm definitely more invested in it. So, okay, so before we wrap this up, and I know we have to very shortly, yes. but I want to draw back on that your house is a metaphor for how you are. And so when I think of the person you are now, mm -hmm. I think of the person that you were a year ago, mm -hmm. struggling emotionally, things, you're holding it together, but it's a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And now I look at your house and you are... It's beautiful. It's stunning. You love the space you're in. And I wonder, is that also representative of your mental space about you, about your body, about your, who you are and the way you show up in this world? I think so much of that is in alignment with the self-love piece mm -hmm. more so than anything else of like, I think in the old house, if I am to like be very super reflective on it is like, Yes, it was messy, but I think so often from an external perspective, it looked fine, right? Like, yes, you came in, you were like, oh yeah, it's messy. But I think if somebody were to see my life on social media or somebody were to meet me in an interaction, they would have been like, yeah, she's fine. She's good. But I do think, yes, there was obviously the internal world that was like chaotic and unsettled and not good to go, so to speak. But from an external perspective, you would have been like, yeah, it looks like everything's fine. Oh, you're a mom. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So and yeah. a little bit of relief in that you're a mess, too. Mm -hmm. You're a mess. My house is a mess. Oh, God, thank God. Yeah. Right? But Whereas, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like now is a very much of a place of, I don't know, it's, it's everything. It's like the food I put into my body is from a place of, like, self-love and nourishment versus a place mm -hmm. of, like, you need to eat this thing. Or it just, it looks so... Looks so different mentally for me. And I think it's neat that your house also is a larger representation in that same sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
it's funny. Even Jamie's like, I don't even know why you care so much about the house. You've never cared about a house. I ever. know. He's literally but I like, remember, like you and Sharina being like, there was almost like a shame piece being like, girl, why do you care? Why does totally. it need to be clean? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I just need clean. I just need clean. And, and it's and funny, Melby. You, you switched sides. I did. I switched sides. But I also realized if I were to like be very honest with myself, I also realized that there's probably going to be a season in my life again where what I am doing right now is not maintainable. And I'm okay with that too. Like right sure. now, this makes total sense. But I also recognize that it's okay to shift tides. And it's okay to shift that, like, if this isn't done right away, every day, it's okay. And right? I and it's funny because I am sh- I have shifted. So that place where you're like, I need my house tidy. I'm like, meh, I can let this go. Because you know what? I have to do this other thing first. Yes. Right? And so I think it's really beautiful and for our listeners to recognize Whatever tide, whatever season you are in, if your house is a disaster and you just need to get that workout in, awesome. If your house is immaculate because you're a little bit OCD, cool beans. Mm -hmm. If you are in somewhere in that middle ground of like, my dishwasher is full and so is my sink, that's okay. I have laundry, it's behind the doors, but it's not folded, that's okay. Whatever it is for you. We are there. We were there. We're going to be there. We're all just figuring it out. And I feel like we grew up in a place, yours very different than mine. The house not being clean was like no big deal. For me, it was totally linked to my mom's happiness. It was like, this house was always a mess. And I remember asking my mom, like, when will you be happy? She's like, when the house is clean. Like, literally. I was like, oh, my God. But the house is never clean. Yes. It will never, ever be clean enough because there's always the next room. There's always the next everything. So anyways, yeah. I think we got to wrap this one up, girl. What do you think? I know. I just love us. I I just love talking to you guys. I love showing up. I have so fun. I feel like we could go on and on and on, but we do got to wrap her in and we will see you guys next Thursday. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Ange. This is, (laughs) my heart is on fire and singing, so... Mm-hmm. Anyways, to our listeners, I hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you guys next Thursday. Ciao for now, guys. Bye.